Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hit it. Uh-huh. Look, 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 look. Why is that? The government, the government, the government, the government. 
Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Shalom. Hotel. I want to welcome you to another area of Conscious Vibes Radio. And of course, I am your host, Ramiel Ilbay. And tonight, we'll be finishing up the program, the discussion, dealing with the transatlantic slave trade. Before we get into the show, uh, as we usually do, let's make a few announcements uh, about a few different things that is that are going on. You have the <clears throat> the study classes that are in the different territories. You have the Sacramento study class that is biweekly, and that takes place at 4311 Attawa Avenue in the Sacramento Territory, and that's Attawa, A-T-T-A-W-A Avenue, 4311 Attawa Avenue. And that is um, every other Saturday. So they just had it this past Saturday. So they'll be having it not this coming Saturday, but uh, next Saturday, or Saturday after next. You also have the study class that goes on in the San Jose territory that takes place um, every other Wednesday, and that is at Giants Barbershop. In the Sacramento Territory, you have um, Brother Hakeem um, El Bay, Sister Sabrina El Bay, Sister Kyla uh, El Bay, who take care of that uh, class there. In the San Jose Territory, you have Brother Rob, Rob uh, Osiris Bay, who takes care of the study class in the San Jose Territory. You also have the study class that goes on every week in the Oakland, San Francisco Territory, and that is held at 3100 Telegraph, and that's in Oakland at Samuel Merritt University. That is every Thursday, and I am the um, teacher of that class. If you want to get information about any other classes, um, please send an email to North, N-O-R-T-H, Gate, G-A-T-E, Bay, B-E-Y, at gmail.com, NorthGateBay at gmail.com. Also, uh, you have uh, African Americans for Balanced Health who actually do uh, quite a few wonderful things in the uh, Sacramento area. Um, You can actually look them up and um, get on their mailing list. They have quite a few wonderful um, guests coming in to do a lot of speaking and teaching uh, throughout the year. Um, I know they have uh, Brother uh, Phil Valentine L. and Brother Lila Africa coming in June. Um, I know that I will be speaking there uh, with them at one of their um, engagements in July, and then they have 
quite a few other wonderful people coming throughout the year. Again, you can Google it, or um, if one of the brothers and sisters who are representatives of AABH can text me the uh, email or what have you or the website, I'll uh, make the announcement for it so that everyone who are, who's in the territory of Sacramento uh, or surrounding areas can be privy to that information. Um, but they have wonderful, wonderful presentations going on throughout the year for educational purposes, dealing with health, um, you know, things of that nature. So I definitely urge everyone to support them. Uh, you also have in the um, Sacramento Territory, you've got the uh, African Market that goes on every first uh, weekend. And now it goes on every third weekend uh, also. And that's going to be at the Sojourner Truth uh, Museum. And that's on 24th and Florin Road at Sojourner Truth Museum every first and third weekend. Um, Brother uh, Rod James and, and Sister Shona McDaniels uh, put together a market where brothers and sisters with different businesses uh, good businesses actually come together and set up a mini mall or vending facility to allow everyone to come and conduct commerce um, on those weekends and so on and so forth. The African Americans for Balanced Health, the website that you can go to is aabh.net. A A bh.net and that's where you can find all the information um, for what they're doing and so on and so forth uh, in the different <clears throat> throughout the different months now over the last couple of weeks we've dove into the transatlantic slave trade to break away at some of the the myths that surround it to get to the root of whether it's um, true or false, whether it's probable um, or not, whether it's possible or not. Thus far, of course, the information has shown that it's not only not probable, but it's also not possible. We've dealt with and talked about the shipbuilding industry the lack thereof, a shipbuilding industry. I've gotten questions um, regarding how big some of the ships were, so we dove into that, showing that the ships were 60 million tons, uh, which was a trading vessel, um, and that based on their information that they provide for how they for what they did during the time of the transatlantic slave trade, which they say they took their war and trade ships and turned them into the slave ships, which meant that the 60 million ton ships were the ones that they were using because that was the ship in the 1400s that, was, would have been the most dominant 
or the most applicable for what they're describing. We've shown that the, the problem with that is that the hull of that ship actually has no ability, does not have the ability to house 275 people, uh, even stacked on each, uh, on top of each other. We spoke about the, um, the fecal matter and the urine that would actually overtake and cause lung issues um, based on the carbonate release um, coming out of the urine and the ammonia. We also spoke about understanding the territory um, of Northern Africa um, and the ability to send enough troops in to gather up enough manpower to gather up 275 people per day for 200 years, or if you do 12 million, I think it's um, 120 people per day for 200 years. Either way, uh, we've been able to show conclusively that it's highly improbable, highly improbable. Uh, Last week, we dove, dove into a lot of the genetic evidence of the who were found on these lands of north, south, central, Amexum, uh, or what we now call America. The DNA evidence has proven with beyond a shadow of a doubt that the first inhabitants of these continents were of African, Asiatic, Moorish, Ancestry, or scientifically, the way they will put it, will say that they were of Negroid or African ancestry. Science, the, the DNA studies that they have released on the oldest bones, have emphatically showed that, and have also showed that the current individual claiming to be Native American shares a small, a very small ancestry modernly to that DNA or skeletal remains that are found to have been uh, Africoid or Negroid or Asiatic and so that that they uh, have done their DNA test on. We also looked at the fact that there have been uh, numerous pieces of Arabic and Hebrew writing found on stones, tablets, rocks, um, cups, um, and other different artifacts that they've been able to unearth. So right now what we want to get into is the final question that normally people would ask you if you're dealing with this subject. And that final question that they're generally going to ask you is going to be, why would they make this story up? Why would they lie? You know, what is what is the reason that anyone will make up a story uh, like this? Because that is going to be the last and final question that everyone is going to ask you, the why question. Well, okay, yeah, but why are they going to make all this stuff, you know, this stuff up? What purpose does it serve for them to say that, um, quote, unquote, black people came from Africa or Africa's the motherland, you know, why would they need to lie about that? What is the reason? 
So today what we're going to do is unlike other shows, um, the other two shows, what I want to do is build this show uh, more as a discussion. So I want those who also have information pertaining to the birthright to also come forward and speak about it from their angle because I want to make sure that on this show, this final episode, that all of the erudite scholars, all of those who have um, studied enough to have a measure come forward to provide different angles of information that everyone on the show can take with them, resources, books, and things, you know, of that nature. So the, the line is open, um, and we're going to begin. And we're going to first, I'm going to first speak about the, um, the, the reason that the foundational reason, there's a foundational reason that these things are taking place. And I'm going to start there. And like I said, everyone, please come forward, push one that has the information so that we can really do a wonderful job on this show of giving it out. If you're in the chat and you have a question or a comment, please go ahead and, you know, type it at any time. I will try to get it in. Um, But one of the reasons that we have to look at what's going on, and before I start, when I see see the line lit up, I'm going to begin, and then I'm going to start bringing people in as I begin, and you can also build off of what what I'm saying, and you can also go in any direction that you choose to provide some more information and a different angle for the people. One of the, or the the foundational reason why these things are taking place, um, number one, has to do with karma. Okay, that is the number one reason that we are dealing with this existence today. We're dealing with our karma. During the hybrid experiments, which have been told all over the planet in different forms, different mythology, and so on and so forth, we produced a race of slaves. And you can find this information. Matter of fact, next week's show actually is going to be about the Yakubian hybrid experiments. And we're going to break down all of the secret sources. We're going to break them down. We're going to bring them forward so that we can also unearth the facts that show that these experiments have taken place, did take place, and did produce the European or the Germanic tribes that would actually be um, more proper. And so when we produced them, we produced the European woman for mating purposes. She was produced as a breeder. We also produced European men to be able to work, to be able to take on heavy loads of work, to be able to do mining, um, to be able to work in fields, to be able to take over 
the work that we were doing here, we produced them. Now, with that product, with us producing them, this is the manifestation of our spiritual fall. Once we found and we seen that in the sun of the Yucatan, in Patagonia, or in what we call Argentina, that they could not live, we took them over into a colder region that we now call the Caucasus Mounds, and that's also the secret to the story of the place called New Albion. Now, once we took them there, in a lot of the regions, we left them. What happened is that they began to change over time and began to mutate and to adapt to the different climates there. At this point in time, we did not civilize them really because it wasn't possible. And so over the course of the different years, times, they developed a nature that was based on their survival instinct. And this is where they're telling you, you know, when they're going through the Paleo, Meso, and Neolithic ages. You'll also find information that will speak to the fact that the European only had the gene for speech, the gene that allows them to speak for about 4,000 years. That is the SPS gene. And they have only had it for about 4,000 years. Because of the abandonment, like any other child, there is a natural sense, and I do say a natural sense, of hatred that is developed. It is no different than the hatred that you see when you're dealing with children who are in orphanages, who are left on the doorsteps, and their parents abandon them, when they find those parents, there's generally hell to pay. And so over the course years of thousands of years and and through their development in in the 51st parallel, again, they develop a nature. Part of their nature was a contentious nature between the masculine and the feminine energy where they started to see their woman as a burden because she could not hunt and it was such a life-staking thing to hunt to have to provide for someone who could not help you was not something that they that they wanted to continue to have to do. 
So that began cannibalism. And that began a whole bunch of unnatural practices that took place there. But what, what the other thing that it also developed was a sense that because the woman was a burden and she could also not help in war in their mind, that she was a tradable commodity. Now, with her being a tradable commodity, when they came down off of the 51st parallel, they went into Manchuria. And, in fact, the 51st parallel is in Manchuria, or what we call Asia today. And going into the different parts of Asia, they found the Kosan or the San people there. And this was a highly developed civilization of Moors that already existed. Now, with them already having existed for thousands of years, they had food, they had clothing, they had a civilization where they could provide for their needs and the needs of others also. So the congressman began to enter into trade with the sign people. The only issue was is that they didn't have anything to trade. And because they didn't have anything to trade, the Moors were only going to provide so much. Now, at this time in history, we're not dealing with the modern phenotype that we see as the conscious man today. Right now, they are a mutation of a mutation. Coming out of the conscious mounds, they were a lot more hairy. Again, most of them um, had barely developed the SPS gene for speech and so on and so forth. So what they did was to then trade their burden for necessities. Now, their burden, again, is their woman. So they began to trade their Germanic woman to the Moors for food, clothing, and other things, spices and things like that that they would need. That begins what we know of as the first trading of flesh or or even enslavement that we know of in its modern form. So the European, the Germanic woman, the Caucasus woman, is now traded against her will in some cases, 
to the Moors, and now she is taken into the tribes. And again, through the hybrid experiments, she was made to be a breeder. Now, over the course of those years, what you will find if you will study is that there's a willing participation with the Germanic woman to go where there is power. She is not loyal in the same way that many other cultures, um, especially the Moorish culture, see the loyalty because she was not made that way. So this is, and I'll bring up other statistics because I don't want anyone to think that we're even going into opinion because there are statistics and tests that have been done to validate every single thing that I'm saying. And I'll go into those at the end and get to why this little piece is important as to why the story um, of the of our enslavement and the transatlantic slave trade was made up. So because she would move around to whoever has the power, because she is geared towards her own maintenance and her own protection. So what would happen is that all over the planet, this is being done. You can go into the aisles of um, what we now today call the Middle East, and you can find the same trade going on uh, with the nomadic Germanic tribes where they're trading uh, the Germanic woman to um, the Moors there. You can also see that um, over in different parts of uh, Africa where she's being traded. You can find it happening all over the planet. Well, her son then, of course, began to notice this willingness of her to go. Because at this point on the planet, they have no civilization, zilch, zero, none. And when I say civilization, I mean they have no science, because science is civilization. Even to this day, they still have no science to claim as their own. Now, as her sons, the Germanic men, are seeing these things take place, they're noticing one factor. They're noticing that with the trading of their Germanic woman and with the influence of the Moorish African Asiatic semen that the being produced out of her womb does not reflect them. 
time she is traded, she is reproducing the tribe that she's traded to. And I'm going to read something that speaks to the variations and how the genomes work. Now, this doesn't go deep into it, but it goes into the different mutations that have taken place. And this is found at foxnews.com. White whites genetically weaker than blacks study finds. So if you Google that on foxnews.com and you Google whites genetically weaker than blacks study finds. And then I'm going to, after I read this, I'm going to bring in um, the caller at, four, four, at uh, area code 443. It says that white Americans are both genetically weaker and less diverse than their black counterparts, counterpatriots, or Cornell University less study finds. Analyzing the genetic makeup of 20 Americans of European ancestry and 15 African Americans, researchers found that the former showed much less variations among 10,000 tested genes than did the latter, which was expected. They also found that Europeans had many more possible harmful mutations than did Africans, which was a surprise. Since we tend to think of European populations as quite large, we did not expect to see a significant difference in the distribution of neutral and deleterious variations between the two populations, said senior co-author Carlos Bustamante an assistant professor of biological statistics and computational biology at Cornell. It's been known for years that all non-Africans are descendants from a small group, perhaps only a few dozen individuals who left the continent between 50 and 100,000 years ago. But the Cornell study published in in the journal Nature Thursday indicates that the Europeans went through a second population bottleneck, probably about 30,000 years ago, when the ancestral population was given was again reduced to relatively a few numbers. The double-diluted genetic diversity has allowed bad mutations to build up in the European population, something that the more genetically varied African population has had more success in weeding out. What we may be seeing is a population genetic echo of the founding of, the, of Europe, says Bustamante. The Cornell team hopes to study other population groups in search of a similar result. For example, Native Americans show less genetic diversity than the Europeans, having descended from a few thousand people who entered North America about 10,000 years ago. The fact was reinforced by a larger scale study also published in Nature, led by scientists from the University of Michigan and Virginia who analyzed the genetic samples of 485 individuals scattered around the globe whose DNA is recorded in a French database. As would be expected with the out-of-Africa theory, the researchers found Africans have the greatest amount of genetic diversity, 
followed in turn by Middle Easterners, then Europeans, and South Asians at about equal levels, then East Asians. Native Americans had the least genetic diversity of all, including that part of the world proving or indicating that part of the world was settled last. Stop there because what we're what we're pointing out is the fact that in their study they will speak about the weakness of the European DNA and the lack of the diversity that it can have. So when you are trading or when this slave trade of the European woman is taking place, she is literally producing the tribe or the clan of the man that she's traded to. Now, for all intents and purposes, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know where that leads. If you are Asian male, then eventually you would be genetically annihilated. If your man goes, it's a Germanic man, goes into an African tribe, an Asiatic Moorish tribe, that produces with a Moorish woman, the Moorish woman will produce herself. So then this becomes an issue because now we can see throughout the course of time how genetic annihilation is possible. And as this infesters around the planet, this begins a lot of the wars that start to take place for territory and power. And I'll pause there, and I'll bring in area code 443 with the exchange 376, area code 443, exchange 376, Islam. Islam, beloved. How are you? I am Hassan. God be obeyed. Northwest of Maxim. How are you, brother? Oh, all is well. How's the more? I'm I'm great. I'm great. I'm just tuning in, let you know that my energy is here. It's it's interesting about the um the uh, topic that you're bringing up uh because uh, uh sometimes I speak with a few people uh here where I'm uh domiciled and and you know a, a lot of people are wanting to hear the uh for lack of better words the unity conversation. Well, okay, I get it now. If I'm not black and they're not white, that's cool. But so how can we all just get along? How can we all be nationals? Uh, well, you know, uh, there was a brother not too long ago on a broadcast, pardon me, uh, not too long ago. I guess he was having an issue with the fact that he's uh, impregnated an Albion daughter. And, uh, <laughs> you know, was a little frustrated to realize that she's uh, inadmissible, so to speak, as far as being a national here. Um, and, and, right. and the thing is, is like when people actually grow up and what I mean by grow up, I don't mean that like in a sliding fashion, I mean, mm-hmm. actually going to the etymology, like our Dejour great seal active brothers and sisters are telling us to, 
I think a lot of people are just, um, and you can tell by what comes out their mouth or what literature they produce that they're either they're either partially reading or just mainly getting their information from videos and broadcasts and then just regurgitating it with no real foundation in the mm-hmm. uh, etymological background of what they're saying. So I said all of mm-hmm. that to say is like if if anyone's out there that's listening. And even though the prophet had told you we do not seek to amalgamate with the pale skinned nations, that there's a reason for that. See, one one thing about since we're on the topic of etymology and speaking about um the the two families that are here, that is the Moabite Moorish nation and the amalgamated Albion, uh, quote unquote European nation. Um, the the thing about Prophet Noble Ali, if you just think of those four words, prophet is a thought of a law. Noble is, mm-hmm. is one who is all-knowing. When you actually check the word Drew through the word Druid, you will see that Druid means one who knows the tree or one who knows the truth. So mm-hmm. that's, Drew is truth, and Ali is an is a all-encompassing, is, is a master. So if we, and, if, and sometimes if people can't handle Noble Drew, hearing prophet Noble Drew Ali, just think a, an all-knowing, truthful thought of Allah that is a master that has made these prescriptions, it, it, you know, that, that that's uh, one who makes prescriptions that we know now are a quote-unquote doctor. And we're talking about Professor Drew, the Egyptian adept student, who's given us a prescription that if we just not only think but really humble our ego because our faith has been put into institutions, our faith has been put into cultures, and our faith, this is being the you know the second level, that scholarly level, our faith has been putting into things that really we know are not going to work for us and failing us. And as I'm quoting Brother Taj a little here, or paraphrasing, it, our pride won't let us let them go. So so we'll still try to perpetuate these things out of out of pride, out of false hope, and not really wanting to come to fruition, which is that third level of manifestation for those that are struggling. Oh, well, how do I come to fruition? I mean, what's wrong with me staying in faith? Well, Yeshua cursed the fig tree for not bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. And and these, these are things that we must actually pay attention to and start correlating. We are the mothers and fathers of civilization. Something as simple as, let's say you're just getting introduced to the information and you're coming across Deja Moors like Brother Ramiel El Bey. Uh, you're coming across Moore's Heritage and History School. You're coming across Grand Chief Cujo or anyone else who's actually resonating the truth. One thing that will definitely help you out, and this may sound silly, but I will suggest this to the family, and then I'll get back to the whole, you know, uh, the Albion and, and us, and then I'll, you know, yield the floor. Stand outside in your bare feet on a sunny day in the grass and 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 just breathe through your nose and out your mouth if we can make it that simple and, and try your best to look at the sun as you're doing it you may have to squint or whatever but there is something that's going to happen you're going to create a a continuity for electron flow and and this electricity that is going to happen is going to one you with the universe so to speak a lot of times you won't have these questions about what Prophet Noble Drew Ali brought because this is dealing with divine law. So if you connect yourself, and this may sound crazy, but please bear with me, y'all. If you connect yourself with the planet barefoot in the grass, with you looking at the sun, breathing in your nose, out your mouth, just something that simple, 
there will there are going to be things downloaded to you from the Akashic Records mm-hmm. that you're not going to have to ask questions about. <laughs> Indeed, you just not, you're not going to have that. I'm be honest. I it was it was for me. It was a little like, ah, I feel so silly. But you know what? You get to a point where you just like, oh, forget it. Let me just try it. And when you try it and you actually are starting to have things happen, more to you that's happening internally than can actually come out your mouth in explanation, and that's how you know it's real. And just continue on that path because that is the narrow path, that narrow path of knowing self. So to just to digress a little, getting back to the etymology of, of, of things or getting to the origin of things, I mean, at the end of the day, this Albion is our sons and daughters. So technically, you know, you might not want to amalgamate with your sons or daughters, you know, that if you want to look at it in a pedophilic kind of fashion, if that will help you to stay away or maybe transition you you know what I'm saying, but 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 at the same time, it's nothing wrong with them in the sense that we're being hateful or anything like that. It's just like, uh, you know, I heard somebody say a long time ago, and this is something good to use, even though they wrongly, uh, you know, the, the with the Constantinism, they wrongly gave you the word sin. But I just want to paint this picture in a, in a in an eloquent fashion, just using the trivium uh, of the seven. Uh, liberal arts to kind of be a little poetic in this picture um so to speak but it, it it's like this you 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 don't hate your child you hate the sin in the child <laughs> you, you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying it, it it's like mm-hmm. okay yeah so it's like their nature and, and how we grafted them to be is really from us so technically you're still practicing self-hate but what 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 mm-hmm. we're trying to do is take ourselves out of this by loving instead of hate. That's why the prophet, the thought of Allah, said, Come all ye Asiatics of North America and hear the truth about your birthright and nationality. I don't think we should take that for granted. You, you know, maybe we should go back and read that and maybe break that down etymologically while we're standing in the grass mm-hmm. gazing at the sun. Whatever will make that connection. But that's all I wanted to say, beloved. It's always an excellent broadcast, Brother Rami Yoda. Just be here with you just to listen, and that's about it. You know, I'm going to stay on the line and listen, but I, I want to yield the floor and uh, continue the great, great day, your great sale activity work, beloved. Peace and love. Islam. 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 So, <clears throat> to to get back, so what we're what would start to be noticed at the time of trading the Albion woman is the possibility, the probability of genetic annihilation. So once that probability is recognized, then you start to see the tribes spread to different places and these different wars begin. And as these wars are beginning and there's a fight for power, but the foundation of the fight for power is the fact that 
if the power does not stay in the hands of the Germanic tribes, then genetic annihilation is the reality. Now, you also see this going on when you study Andalusia, and which is what we now call Spain, and you look into the harems that the Moors had, the Mohammedan Moors had there. And so even today, what you call a Spaniard, what you call a Spaniard is an actually is actually an amalgamated individual. It is an individual who is from who has a parent or lineage through the Germanic tribe and who has another lineage through the Moorish tribe. That becomes a Spaniard. So when you're even talking about Cortez and a lot of the other people who are known in Andalusia, those are amalgamated individuals. Those are Moors. That also produces the term Blackamoor, which with the adjective black meaning pale, you get the description of the amalgamated more or what we would today call mixed, who became more pale through the amalgamation of those two different nations. So because of that fear, and this is starting to go on, you can trace it back to the Punic Wars. The Punic Wars were actually started by the Red Man or the Roman because he was in fear of the Carthaginians coming into Rome, and he knew that if the Carthaginians, Moors, came into Rome and brought the battle to Rome first, that Rome had no chance of victory. The issue with that is that when you read about the Carthaginian Empire, is that Rome was never on the radar. Rome wasn't on the radar of the Carthaginians. The Carthaginians were not sweating Rome at all. But there was an intimidation amongst the Romans because of the loss of power. And with that loss of power comes genetic annihilation. Because if, if, and you can see this in neighborhoods today, all over the world, if the Germanic man, the Albion man and woman, lives next to a moor, then over the course of time, amalgamation will take place. 
and that produces genetic annihilation for that domain. And so there's a fear of this that took hold of the planet thousands of years ago, along with a hatred for the parents that abandoned them. And so that hatred of the parents who abandoned them and that fear of genetic annihilation has produced but is the foundation of the continual war between the Moors and the Red Man that has plagued the earth for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Genetic annihilation is the foundational principle. There's a study that came out some years ago in our... Um, do not have the study on hand now, but I still have the the information mentally about what the study was about. And the study spoke about the loyalty of women. And in the study, they statistically showed that the most unloyal person or woman on the planet to her man was the European Germanic woman. And this was an actual study that was done. And one of the questions that they asked to deal with loyalty had to do with perseverance through good and bad times. And so the question was posed to uh, a Moabite, uh, a Germanic woman, a Manchurian or Asian woman, and I, I think also a woman from um, what is now known as the Middle East also. The question was, if your husband lost his job and was not able to find another job soon, would you stay or would you leave? And this is really a question of power. The most loyal of all the women and perseverance through good and bad times was and is the Moabite woman. And that study showed that. The most disloyal of all the women was and is the Albion woman. She was the one in the greatest numbers who said that if her husband lost power, i.e. lost his job, she would leave him the quickest. And if I find that study, I'll send it out. Um, I haven't taken the time to look for it in a while, and, and at the time I didn't save it. I just read it, studied it, and kept it moving. But the study spoke about that. And to the naked eye, it may have seemed like it was no big deal. But this is a question or reality that has plagued the red man or the Roman for thousands of years. Because it's a question of, if I don't have power, 
or are you still going to stay? Because if you don't stay, I can't reproduce myself. The fear of genetic annihilation. Dr. Francis Quest Wellesley spoke at great length about this. So I would advise getting her literature, her information to all of the domains that is on. With this, and I do again invite any of the other scholars who are on the line to bring their angle of information in whenever you um, get the urge. The lines are open. Now, with this fear, you have the conquering of the different tribes. But what was actually going on was the stealing of the birthright because power is in the birthright. And so when you get into how the wars or how a lot of the things are taking place in this country, what you have is the creation of the slaves of the transatlantic slave men to control the power moors on these lands, to control the lost or the vast estate. And through that vast estate is how we are ruled. Because through your inheritance, your land, and other herodentimates that are passed through your lineage. And that becomes the power. So in order to bring a better understanding of what heritage is, I'm going to open the Black Law Dictionary. For those who have it, fourth edition, page 860 to the word heritage, what is, so we can understand what is a heritage. And, and then we're going to get into how it's determined, and then you're going to be able to apply and understand how and why the importance of the slave ship narrative was constituted and then passed down as a, as a fact. It says heritage in civil law, Every species of immovable, which can be the subject of property, such as lands, houses, orchards, woods, marshes, pines, etc., in whatever mode they may have been acquired, either by descent or purchase, that's heritage. So your heritage is your lands, your orchards, your marshes, all those things that are passed down to you. So these are cultural icons that are part of your lineage. Now, 
we're going to look at the word right, R-I-G-H-T, because we know, should know, what birth is. So we're going to look at the word right, R-I-G-H-T. Now, it says right as a noun and taken in an abstract sense, justice, ethical correctness, or consonance with the rules of law or the principles of morals. In this signification, it answers to one meaning of the Latin just and serves to indicate law in the abstract considered as the foundation of all rights or the complex of underlying moral principles which import the character of justice to all positive law or give it an ethical content. As a noun and taken in a concrete sense, a power, privilege, faculty, or demand inherent in one person and incident upon another. Rights are defined generally as powers of free action and the Primal rights pertaining to men or undoubtedly enjoyed by human beings purely as such, being grounded in personality and existing incidentally to their recognition by positive law, but leaving the abstract moral spirit and giving to them a juristic content, a right is well defined as a capacity residing in one man of controlling, with the assent and assistance of the state, the actions of others. The noun substantive, a right signifies that which jurists dominate a faculty, that which resides in a determined person by virtue of a given law in which avails against a person or answers to the duty line on a person, other than the person in whom it resides. And the noun substantive writes, is the plural of the noun substantive a right. But the expression expression right, when it is used as an adjective, is equivalent to the adjective just, as the verb rightly is equivalent to the adverb justly. And when used as the abstract name corresponding to the adjective right, the noun substantive right is synonymous with the noun substantive justice. Now, in a narrow signification, an interest or title in an object of property, a just and legal claim to hold, use, or to enjoy it, or to convey or dominate it, as he may please. The term right in civil society is defined to mean that which a man is entitled to have or to do, or to receive from others, that which one person ought to have or receive from another, it be withheld from him or not in his possession. In this sense, right has a force of claim and is properly expressed by the Latin just. Coke considers this to be the proper signification of the word, especially in the writs and pleadings wherein a state is turned to a right, as by discontinuance, Disinfluence, etc. So, from the meaning of the word right, 
The key part is, is close to the end where it tells you in a narrow signification an interest or a title in an object of property, a just and, and legal claim to hold, use, or enjoy it, or convey it or donate it as he may please. And this is what you call a birth. A birthright is something that at birth is already a part of you. It is automatic. It is unalienable. It is inalienable. So inheritance has always been passed down through based on consanguinity, sanguine meaning blood. And so by consanguinity, you get your birthright, your lineage, your inheritance. So you become an heir. an heir to certain hereditaments. And we're going to look up heir, and then we're going to get to how this, the changing of certain things played a huge part in interrupting the birthright. It says heir, page 854 in the Black's Law Dictionary. At common law, the person appointed by law to succeed to the, the estate in case of intestacy. One who inherits property, whether real or personal. So in, the heir is where the who gets the property. A person who succeeds by the rules of law to an estate and lands, tenements, and, or hereditaments, upon the death of his ancestor by descent and right of relationship. So you're an heir by right of relationship. And that must be understood, that little phrase, by right of relationship. Now we're going to look at heir apparent. An heir whose right of inheritance is indefeasible, excuse me, provided he outlived the ancestor. As in England, the eldest son or his, who must by, this, by the course of common law be heir to the father whenever he happens to die. One whom before death of the ancestor is next in the line of succession, provided he be heir to the ancestor whenever he happens to die. So now the heir apparent is basically the next in line. And it's all based on relationship. Now, in order to be heir apparent, you must have the relationship that would make you the heir apparent. That relationship, again, is based on consanguinity, which is your blood, your bloodline. So when the 
Germanic tribes came here and found and already knew that the Moors were here. Again, you can look at the Ming, M-I-N-G map. That map predates Cristobal Colon coming here. You also, also have other Germanic explorers who came here and actually had already been back, went back to Europe prior to Cologne coming here, and those were recorded also. So the coming here had to do with continuing the wars that had been going on. And with those wars, they now moved over to a Mexum. And when they moved over to a Mexum, this was one of the lands that was the least known of or understood by them. However, there was a lot of trade going back and forth here already, just not a lot of trade with the Germanic tribes from here, meaning that we did not have relationships with them, although we had relationships with other Moors all over the planet, and we were doing great amounts of trade with them prior to colonization. So the story and the understanding of what was here was already known. So it was known that this place had lots of gold. There was actually a reported city of gold. And when you read about uh, Estevanico, they'll get into that when you get into his story. But the gold is attached to the land, and so it's a part of the birthright of the people. And because the people, of course, were tied to their lineage through their names or titles or attributes, then it would continue to be passed down generation to generation to generation. In order to gain power and take control of the estate here of the Moors, it became paramount to them to start creating the story that would remove the birthright. and would no longer allow those people who are part of this land to recognize they're part of the land, no longer having an interest, no longer having an interest in controlling their actual estate. So when they started to come and colonize the people, one of the things that they would do is that they would take the children from North of Mexico, take them down to South of Mexico, now North and South America. 
They would take the children from Central America and take them to North America and then begin to reteach the history because over the course of time, there has to be a, a loss of interest, a loss of interest in controlling your birthright. So when you move the children, now it is verifiable for anyone who wants to do the legwork, the research, that there were over 100 million people here between the territories, over 100 million. So as they're beginning to move the people around, one of the first things that they would do is change the people's name. When you change the name or give someone a name, you automatically begin to change their status. Now, your status deals with who are you. Status deals with your standing in law. Now, I'm going to read status out of the Black Law Dictionary, page 1580. It says status, standing, state, or condition. So your status is your state or condition, the legal relation of an individual to the rest of his community. So what is your responsibility to your community? So based on who are you determines your responsibility to community. The rights, duties, capacities, and incapacities which determine a person to a given class. So who are you? That's class. Which class do you belong to a people? A legal personal relationship, not temporary in its nature, nor terminable at the mere will of the parties with which third persons and the state are concerned. So it is a legal personal relationship and is not terminable. While term applies relation, it is not mere relation. We're going to look at the second paragraph. And remember, your status is who are you? And then again, why was the story concocted? And this next line is going to tell you exactly why the story was concocted. Your status. It also means estate because it signifies the condition or circumstance in which one stands with regard to his property. We'll read it again. Status. I say, who are you? What you just told me is this. It means a state because it signifies the condition or circumstances in which one stands with regard to his property. So by simply 
changing your status. It determines your relationship to your estate. And this is not new on the planet. If you go anywhere on the planet, that is true. And in easy terms, if you look at it from the sense, you have a kingdom, and the kingdom is overthrown. And the heirs to the kingdom are removed from that kingdom. They're put out into the wilderness. The people in that kingdom are enslaved. The heirs now become nomadic. They eventually lose sight of who they are. One day one of the heirs, who now is a generation or two later, walks upon that land, and he enters the gate of that kingdom, and he's put enslaved because he's a nomadic wanderer. And he's hearing the story of these great people who at one point ruled this kingdom, now ruled by another tribe, who now have the original people enslaved. And he begins to wonder how does some of the stories that they're telling him match some of the stories that his domus was telling him when they were wandering in the wilderness. When he comes in, he's he's enslaved too because he's a nomad. He's a nomadic wanderer. He's enslaved. He then begins to put two and two together and realizes that the stories that his domus was telling him as they were wandering were the same stories that the people were telling him who he's now enslaved with. He begins to then awaken and realize that this is the kingdom that he was an heir to. He is the heir to, but he's enslaved. He then begins to listen and learn more about what happened. And he learns that his domus title was Mikael. And that their clan was Mikael. They were Ales. Immediately, he recognizes that he must do something. And he approaches the now rulers of that kingdom. And he announces himself as the heir to the throne of the Mikael tribe. When he announces himself as that, those who are in power immediately recognize that he now has come back to claim 
And, of course, there would be more to that story. But it was just a simple recognition and change of status that had him enslaved and then the recognition of him being an heir that took him out of servitude. And it was the understanding of the story and connecting the dots. And once he then went from being a nomadic, someone who was nomadic and a nomad on the land, to being enslaved once he came back, to then recognizing that he was at home, that he then was recognized as an heir. And although in natural right law, he was always an heir, but it was his lack of recognition of that that had him unable to control his estate. And because he didn't recognize who he was, his relationship to his estate was at odds. He had no control of it as an enslaved nomad. He only had control of it once he recognized his line of airship. So when the stories in 1774 through 1778, when the Continental Congress was formed and they decided to remove the titles of nobility, from the Moors. It was a changing of status that took place. The reason that they needed to change the status was to interrupt the line of descendancy, to make the Moors no longer descendable, no longer recognizing that they are the heirs to the estate of a Mexican. So they began to concoct stories of voyages, and this actually started to take place during your Reconstruction period in the late 1800s. Prior to your 1800s, These stories did not exist. I'm going to say that again. Prior to your late 1800s, these stories of the transatlantic slave trade did not exist as in the numbers. The numbers of the transatlantic slave trade did not exist. They did not exist prior to your late 1800s and during your time of Reconstruction. So in order to begin to control the estate of the Moors, they started to, during Reconstruction, rewrite the history. And as they're rewriting the history, 
They're adding in dates, times, years, events that actually never, ever took place. They're adding in numbers that are inflated, that don't have a possibility. So now with the status, you went from being El, Bay, Bay, Ali, and Eel. Those were the channels of nobility. You will see that during Reconstruction, they went into the halls, the chambers of Congress, and put the moors out at gunpoint. You'll even see when they show you in the, um, I think it's a, the Lincoln movie, a little bit about these some of the amalgamated people, and they'll show you little glimpses of how the Moors were a part of Congress and the administration, not even dealing with the fact that Abraham Lincoln himself was, in fact, a Moor. The movie Birth of a Nation will show you also what was going on. You will see how they will turn the Moors mulattoes. And even if you're looking at it from the term of the misinformation of a mulatto being someone who's mixed of quote-unquote white and black, it still means based on the one-drop rule that they were quote-unquote black. So in the movie Birth of a Nation, they actually put that information out there. And Birth of a Nation is detailing things that were in the early 1800s, 1700s. Yeah, excuse me, the um, the uh, early 1800s, Civil War. Now, what they're going to show you in Birth of a Nation is that the Moors also were running and owners of a lot of the plantations in the South. They're also going to show you in their that a lot of Moors fought on the side of the Confederacy. And they'll give you that misnomer and say that a lot of them, it was because they were slaves and uh, they were in fear and so on and so forth. That's not true. Those who were trying to get out of enslavement fought on the side, on the opposite side. So the, the stories now based on reconstruction, start to change. They start to remove the fact that the majority of the people in the 1600s who were enslaved here were actually Albions. The majority of the people enslaved here in the 1600s were Albions. It was not until they figured out that the Albions could not do the labor because of they couldn't, the fact that they cannot be in the sun, that they began to enlist 
and enslaved the aboriginal tribes here who were Moors. And in order to take the land, because a lot of people will give you the thought that, well, Europeans don't do anything based on law. That's not true. Everything the European does is based on law. Even if it means that they have to create a law that allows them to do it. They create a law that allows them to do it. But it is based on law. Now, it may not be based on right law. It may not be based on common law. It may not be based on um, natural law, but it will be based on some sort of law. And so what they began to do is change the laws that allowed them, under the doctrine of discovery, to interrupt the line of descendancy of the Moors because they wanted the gold. And you'll find that even in when you're researching and you're looking into um, a lot of the people who came here and some of the secrets of masonry, the true secrets of masonry as to why they actually came here, a lot of it has to do with stealing the gold and then a lot of it has to do with them trying to come back home because this is where the experimentations took place, which is intertwined in the Masonic secrets of this being the melting or the mixing pot because this is the place where they're supposed to attempt try to get back into the folds of humanity. And that's going to happen in different ways. So as they come here, they begin to adopt edicts to interrupt the line of descendancy. And so the doctrine of discovery is issued that allows them to say that the Moors, because we were not Catholic, were heretic. And that they could plant a flag, and within planting a flag, there was a claim to the land. And it was lawful because the papacy declared it. And the papacy being considered the voice of God on earth. So they would always go to the papacy or the church to get the church to back what they were doing. So then as they changed the the titles or take the titles, they brand the aboriginals Negro, black, and colored in Ethiopia, Negro, black, and Ethiopian. And by branding 
the aboriginals, Negro, Negro, black, and Ethiopian, they automatically now remove them from their state. She was the acceptance. The key is the acceptance. So in the original branding, the estate wasn't lost. It wasn't until the aboriginals began to accept the branding that the estate was lost. So once you tell me I'm something, unless I agree to it, it isn't so. So in 1774, when they began to remove our titles, it was not considered conclusive. So then they said, well, in order to make it conclusive in generations to come, we're going to remove the rest of their estate. Now, in the Quran, Morris Science Temple, Quran, the prophet talks about the estate. But in the estate that is being spoken about, the estate, there is knowledge. And so they remove the knowledge from the Moors. By removing the knowledge and re-educating the Moors, then the Moors began to accept. A few generations later, the Moors began to accept the new history. In law all over the planet, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Nowhere on the planet is ignorance of the law okay. If you go to, matter of fact, in Dubai, there was a case that they just put out where one of the Germanic tribesmen, tribesmen, I think a woman, shows up and she says something that they feel is derogatory about the government. She now faces jail time. Of course, she says she didn't know. Same thing happened where another Germanic tribesman spent nine months in jail in Dubai a few months back. If you go into Manchuria or Asian today, if you throw trash on the ground in certain areas, you would do jail time. Of course you can say you don't know. You will still do the jail time. Ignorance of the law on, in nowhere on the planet is an excuse. You will still be punished. So then it became very, very important to make the aboriginals here ignorant because it's no excuse. So when the aboriginals, and you can also see this in the signing of the treaties with uh, the Dow's Row. So the Dow's Row, you can also see this take place. 
once the aboriginals began to accept the fact that they came on slave boats, accept the fact and call themselves by the Christian and plantation, the Germanic tribesmen names, Walter, Chris, Anthony, Demetrius, uh, Washington, Williams, um, Matthews, Patterson, Peterson, Smith. Once the Moors started to accept those, then the Moors acquiesced and agreed at that point to no longer be heirs because then it became a verbal contract, an agreement, an adhesion contract that you are not the heirs because the heirs to the estate don't bear those titles or those names. And you cannot show up to claim heirship with someone else's name. You must recognize yourself in order to be the heir. Hence the story of the nomad who had to recognize himself before he petitioned the government, who was then ruling his land based on enslaving those who were part of the tribe prior. So once they were able to get the Moors to agree, i.e. your Dow's role and, and all your other documents where people are signing and continue to sign to this day, understanding that right now we are over 100 years out of physical enslavement, 150 years out of physical enslavement. Yet everyone has an excuse as to why they still have the Germanic or their Christian name. And the excuses become, oh, well, now my family has had it. You know, my, my mother and father did a lot under this name, you know, and, you know, they would be upset if I changed my name and, you know, uh, my father was, was a proud, you know, Williams man, and he built Williams and Williams laundry and this and that, and so I don't want to disappoint him. Those become the excuses today to not be yourself. And this was a part of what they needed the Moors to buy into a few hundred years ago. And as long as you have not changed that and recognized yourself, then you can't get the air the airship back. And so hence we have the Moors, the Aboriginals, who now think that they came on slave ships, now think that Africa the continent of Africa is the motherland who now um, believe the out of Africa theory, who now practice 
all the spiritual systems or religions, excuse me, that was given to them under the Black Codes of 1724. If you've never seen those, please research it. Christian Black Code 1724 or just Black Codes, where you will find that and see proof of the Catholic creed being the only established religion on this land and that everyone must be Catholic and that any and all other forms of spiritual spiritualism was outlawed and punishable or death. So to practice anything else was punishable. You'll also hear the Moors, even in dealing with that subject, and remember, this is all about birthright. This is all dealing with birthright. You will hear Moors now speak about the fact that the first Christians uh, were in Africa, and that will become the excuse given as to why they're Christians today or why they feel like it couldn't be that bad. What's not recognized is that the first church in Maruk, or what we call Ethiopia, or what they call Ethiopia, they were Gnostic. And by birthright, if you're going to claim your birthright, then you must be Gnostic also. You must claim and you must be yourself. And the first church in Maruk, still there, they were Gnostic. They studied the principles of cosmology, mathematics, vibration. And Gnostic means to know. They were also a part of the spiritual system that was designed in the Kupta. It was no different. So the Moors now give up their birthright by fully accepting all of the different forms of indoctrination that have been produced at the hands of their enslavers. So as the stories are developing, and again, it's the reconstruction period when this takes place, the story, these stories of the transatlantic slave trade producing 12, 10, 20 million did not exist prior to reconstruction. And now the people who are the heirs to the land no longer accept the land and do everything they can to reject being at home. Even looking at an individual who has the information, who knows that they're at home on a maxim, even looking at that individual as a traitor, speaking, thinking, perceiving that by saying that you are home, 
that you are less, quote-unquote, African. And this all has to do with the mental mindset that was produced to allow them to control your estate. The word or the title of nobility, they, B-E-Y, means governor. The original governors, i.e. state of California governor, governor of Philadelphia, state of Philadelphia, the original governors were the Bay. So what you have in these so-called seats of government are what you call substitute bays. They are substituting in because their original heirs are asleep. So they are controlling your estate. The Emergency Banking Act of 1933 took place to finally rid the vaults of the gold belonging to the Moors. So with the coming out party, when the final bankruptcy was declared, the Moors' gold was then turned over to the Federal Reserve. This is why the prophet speaks about the fact that he went back to claim everything, including the flag. The flag being represented by George Washington and the story of him saying that he has chopped down the cherry tree. The flag of the Moors is known as the cherry tree. And he was delivering the message to the other Germanic sons that he had now removed the Moors out of their seat and and defeated them, thereby chopping down the cherry tree symbolically, removing the estate from the Moors. But it is the most important factor, and the fact that that must be understood, is that it is the lack of recognition by the heirs that is paramount to controlling the estate by a foreigner. Even in the word American, in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, and if you don't have that, look it up, Google it, 1828 Noah Webster's Dictionary. The term American, the definition says the aboriginal or copper-colored, copper-colored, Natives found here by Europeans 
now applied to Europeans. It says the copper color. Now we're coming up on about 10 minutes left. If anyone wants to come in, go ahead and push one now so I can get your questions or comments or what have you because we're moving into wrapping up. And I don't want everyone to push it at 9.59 and make us run overtime because of that. So we have 510, uh, area code 510, exchange is 808, area code 510, exchange 808, Islam. Islam, thank you for that wonderful discourse. I um, want to ask you if there was more than one version of Birth of a Nation because that was so degrading. I couldn't stand to look at it more than one time, and I gave it away. Um, no. I mean, Birth of a Nation is a, is a silent movie, so you kind of have to um, make sure you, you watch it after you've already taken a nap because it will put you to sleep. Um, but that's the only one that's there. Is that and it did more than put me to sleep It made me angry <laughs> It was so degrading Yeah, you have And to, I said that most know, women Could not stand to look at it Yeah you have <laughs> so. to You know be in a good place And remove the um, You know really take the emotions Out of watching it because it, it You know it can be uh, Have some difficulty in you know Looking at the information as it's presented because it bring you know can bring up a lot of pain and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. But I advise everyone to watch it. I really do. Okay, thanks. Well, maybe I need to see oh. it again then. But I like I said, first yeah, I gave it to living somewhere. But I want to ask you: Is there a possibility that Lalalia Africa can come up here after going to Sacramento, or was he just going to be here one day? You know what? I'm not. Um, a part of that, so I have no idea. If you go to aabh.net, uh-huh. um, and then you could probably pose that question to them because I have no idea. Okay. What was the website in, um, again? Zoom. A-A-B-H. 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 A-A-B-H.net. Yeah, okay. I'm living in the wrong city because they got it going on down there in Sacramento. But I, I was just wondering, <laughs> do they have uh, an accessible site, or is it at someone's home or a public place where the meetings are going to be? No, it's a very accessible place. They're actually going to do that one with uh, with our Phil Valentine L and Dr. Africa. I think that's actually going to be done at a school auditorium. So it's going to be very accessible. Um, so, I mean, the moors in the area, you know, out here, um, I mean, it's as simple as uh, possibly maybe you know, everyone getting together in caravan and to support it. So I'm sure right. it's going to be a, a wonderful event. So it's going to be the two of them together? Yes. And one on the same day? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, they're both so powerful. That should be a weekend thing. Okay. Is there a possibility yeah, a that you can ask? Yeah, because I I don't I'm not a computer savvy. Is there a possibility that you could ask Sabrina to call me? 
Yeah, I'll give her I'll, my um, phone number next time you talk to her because I she doesn't know me by my Morris name. Yeah, but, I'll, um, uh, I yeah, I'll definitely. It. Yeah, I'll pass it um, along definitely. Okay, thank you very much. All right, peace and love. Peace and love to you too. Good night. All right, we're going to bring in nine one six. Exchange eight oh one nine one six exchange eight oh one Islam. Islam King, this is Brother Motep Abdullah L. Appreciate the call as always. Appreciate your words of wisdom. Uh, I wanted to chime Islam. in and uh want Islam, I just wanted to chime in and say thanks again. Um I don't know if you mentioned uh doctor for those uh close to the Sacramento territory, um I believe we have Doctor Allen Bay coming on May, hold on one second. Let me just double check that date. May fourteenth mm-hmm. in Sacramento. The date is to be determined, but um, you know, please get in touch with uh, if you're in the Sacramento territory. You can find me on Facebook. I'm uh, actually going to be working on the flyer to actually get the word out to get have um, a nice audience for uh, Dr. Bay when he's here. Islam, okay. Just uh, keep me abreast, and uh, I'll announce it, announce it on here uh, to help out. So, you know, of course, I'll be there. So, um, oh, I'm already know. on. Yeah, definitely. Islam. Uh, again, like I said, uh, you know, um, if if the sister who was who was just uh, asking the question, if Sabrina is unable to get in contact with her about anything in uh, the territory, I've been uh, active with, uh, you know, the temple here. I'm trying to uh, get things started. So, Emotep um, Abdullah L on Facebook. Peace and Islam to my brother. All right. Islam. All right. We're going to bring in area code 916 424. Area code 916 exchange 424. Islam. Islam. This is Sister Sabrina Albay in Sacramento hey, Territory. Greetings to the last two speaker to the last two callers, <laughs> and thank yes. you, uh, Romeo, for this wonderful information again. Um, you know, I had to chime in because the sister was asking about the event, and, I, and I'm grateful yes. that Brother Imhotep mentioned Dr. Aleem Bay coming mid-May. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, to the sister. Um, because I think we've had conversations like me. She doesn't go online too much. Um, that is a one day, the Dr. Africa, and this is, she knows I'm one of the founders of African AABH. Um, yeah. I'm not on the planning committee, but I do know that that is just a one day event. Um, after 10 years, we're finally starting up putting together our holistic health conferences again. We used to do them every other year. And they were two-day conferences. But because this is the startup, that we hadn't had one in 10 years, this is, I think they're starting slowly. So it would be a one-day, an all-day event. Yes, it is accessible, um, as well as our study groups. I don't know if she was asking about our study groups. Um, That's accessible also. But, yes, so that is a one-day event. Okay. Um, I can't remember okay. other questions. 
but she can you can still give her my number if you want and yeah I'll you know or, or give me her number either one and I can talk to her over the phone yeah I'll send I'll email it to you okay and so yes both of them will be on here on the same stage and on that day in July so. okay as long okay and with Dr. Alim Bay, what we're considering doing, we're considering having that as a two-day event. The second day being um, him speaking, and then uh, uh, perhaps a tour or field trip around Sacramento to all the Moorish sites. Okay. So, a history okay. tour. Yeah, history tour. So. So okay, okay. That, that was good. And and thank you again um, for the wonderful information tonight. All right. I learned more. I thought I knew, but I learned even more. Islam, Islam. Appreciate you. Thank you. Same here. Yeah, I appreciate you too. All right. All right. We're going to bring in the last caller. Area code three four seven. Four four three area code three four seven. Exchange is four four three. Islam. Islam, more. How are you? Teresa Maru, more CEO, calling from the New York Territory. Islam. Um. All right. I wanted to touch on one. Well, well, two things. I have one. One is a question. One is a comment. Um. Okay. My my question first, in regards to. Um, the political games or, or the political scheme uh, back uh, in uh, around, I would say the Tunic Wars. You can we can start well. We can start with the Tunic Wars, or or we can uh, fast forward a little bit more to around the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, mm-hmm. In regards to um, like a religious creed, the person who was taking on that creed. Were were they or were they not um, using that as their identity? So hence she would have like a Christian that would be their the same way we yeah. we call ourselves Moorish American back then yeah. a Christian that would yeah. be their identity, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just see that, I that see would, that there. Yeah. I see that that's one um a you know an aspect that people kind of skip over. You know, and they think like, oh, yeah. it was just a religion. Like, no, like people, like even to this day, you have some Muslims who are so dedicated to their uh, quote-unquote religion that they would commit suicide for it because they that they take that as their identity, like the reason why mm-hmm. they live. You know, so um, that's just mm-hmm. one uh, aspect I wanted to put out there. Also, I wanted to also bring in the um, Barbary slave trade again because. It is truly around the 15th to 19th century where, you know, the European was being um, traded off um, in exchange mm-hmm. for goods and services. Um, they reconstructed that whole history and made it seem as though we were the ones who were subjected for mm-hmm. over 400 years plus when in actuality that, that's not true. You know, a lot of, a lot of that time we were in power on on a decline um uh 
because of all the war that you know the the the, the um the war between our families, the tribes in between, you know what I'm saying? Our empire was declining because we kept fighting each other in between. And the Barbary um slave trade, like you can Google it, it'll tell you um how the northern coast of Africa, you know, um like Algeria, Tunis, Libya, uh what else is out there? Um, like that whole Mediterranean coast where we know that the Moors were controlling and occupying, you know, along with the so-called pirates, that was also us when we were um, controlling the seas as well. We would see these Europeans, you know, on a, on a ship in the middle of the sea, like we we ransacked them, you know what I'm saying? Because they had no business right. treading the waters, you know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of history within the Burberry slave trade that I think, you know, more, uh, um, a lot of answers would be, um, a lot of questions would be answered for the Moors in regards to understanding, like, um, how did it fall? You know what I mean? Like, I, like I, I Googled, um, you know, this is Wikipedia right now. Like, this is just straight Wikipedia. And in the beginning, it's telling you, the Barbary slave trade re- refers to the white slave markets that flourished um, on the Barbary coast of North Africa. And it says these markets uh, perspired while, prospered, excuse me, while the states were normally under Ottoman um, scrutiny, but in reality, they were mostly autonomous. You know? And then it goes on to mm-hmm. say, um, it goes on, it speaks of the decline where it says, after the Anglo-Dutch raid in 1816 on Algiers immobilized most of the pirate fleet, once again, those are the Moors of the sea, the, the, the Mormon, the seamen. Um, mm-hmm. It says, the day of Algiers was forced to agree to terms which included a cessation, uh, cessation of the practice of enslaving Christians. Although slave trading of non-Europeans could still continue. So it's like you you see like where they where they um you know because of the whole war thing they were trying to stop the bloodshed. So it was like they kind of copped out at the end of the you know what I'm saying just to mm-hmm. just to kind of right. find some kind of peace because after a while you know you can only kill people for so long. Until you start, you know, Indeed. you just wipe your, your your whole self out of existence, you know? Indeed. So you can, mm-hmm. like, the, the, the Barbary Treaty, I just wanted to touch on that because I really do think that that is a, it's a very pivotal point that people should look into. So, um, Islam, that's all I wanted Islam. to say. It was a great uh, broadcast. Appreciate it, Islam. You know, I love and, this and stuff. This <laughs> you know, I'm a history head. So. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it Peace is something that every... Every more needs to be, you know, looking into that and studying that, um, that Barbary, um, that time of enslavement where the Europeans were being traded. Because if you understand that, then really it unlocks the, uh, the key to understanding that they actually were not in power during the time where they're telling everyone they were in power. So during the um, Barbary slave trade, it was them who were being shipped around as commodities. It was not us. And so they actually did not take over power. Even in Europe, did not take over power 
until the mid-1800s. When we look at the, the War of Independence, King George III, who they were fighting with to disengage and become independent of Great Britain, so when they're trying to become independent of Great Britain, they're actually fighting against King George III. Now, King George III was a Moor. Understand that. And so when we're looking at that, and I'm glad you um, called in and said that, sis, because it is pivotal to understand that barbary slave trade, you know, because they were not in power in the 16, 17, 18, and 1500s. We were on the decline you know, however, we were the ones who were still running the seaports. And so we were charging them to use the seas. And a lot of times what would happen is that we would break our treaties with them. So we would charge them to sail the seas. And we would charge them port fees and so on and so forth. They would pay them because they had no choice. But we would actually still turn around and slave them. So you can find in the books, if you Google, uh, where European Germanic families are actually petitioning to get their loved ones back from the Moors. They're petitioning their government to get their loved ones back, which is just simply going to show us a lot of times that during this time where they're speaking about, you know, what's going on, uh, they're actually not even in power, which also is dealing with the fact that most of their lineage comes through the Moors in the first place. Even the king, uh, Queen Elizabeth, and all them, those are amalgamated Moors. Their lineage comes through the Moors because all nobility in Europe is based on Moorish heritage. It's based on taking us out of our seat of power, and then the children who were amalgamated taking the side of the Christian. When we say Christian, we're speaking of the red man. It's just a code for red man, Roman. And so anytime you're hearing Christian, 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 the Christians, you're speaking about the red man, the Roman, the Germanic tribes. And they will always be fighting the Moors, where you're dealing with the Spanish Inquisitions, you know, all of those things, those were the Christians fighting the Moors. And even, even with the Spanish Inquisitions, the, even the Spaniards that were fighting, this is where we have to understand what our karmic destiny. Even when we're looking at the Spaniards, those were Moors. So when we're looking at Cortez and a lot of them that came here, they were not pale European Germanic tribesmen. Those were amalgamated people. So even Cortez and them, the people who came here were Moors, Spaniards or amalgamated people. They are not an original Germanic tribe. Neither are the Irish. You know, these are all tribes of people that are based off an amalgamation process that went on. And most of your nobility of Europe now has went through a bleaching process of bleaching, bleaching out the Moors' blood through generations, making sure that they, their children marry the most pale, red head, or blonde that they can get. 
so they can remove that Moore's blood as much as possible. So we're going to wrap up, but we'll be back um, same time next week. And next week we are going to deal with um, the hybrid experimentations. So please, um, anyone who you know who wants to, who's been debating about that subject, who wants proof, um, we're going to go in on on the um, the hybrid experiments in Patagonia, and we're going to provide proof of the experiments and the books that people can find it in. So I'll see you next week. Peace and love. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.